Today's episode of Fill Up Your Cup is a little bit different. As we reach the end of season one, I wanted to give you something with some practical self-care tips that you could take away and use during our break between season one and season two. Don't worry, we do still have one more episode left in season one, and it's going to be a special bonus episode. But today I am digging into my workshop archive, and I've put together an episode that comes from a workshop that I ran last year about self-care through the seasons and specifically looks at helping you define what your self-care practice is to you and what it should look like at this time of year, but also that helps you to learn to recognize some of the barriers that might come up in your life at this time of year and that might get in the way of you showing up for yourself. So I hope that you're going to enjoy this episode. I hope you're going to find something valuable in it to help you in your journal reflections this week as you start to redefine your own self-care practice so that you can really show up for yourself in a meaningful way and overcome some of those seasonal barriers that often overwhelm us at this time of year. My name's Laura, a teacher turned creator, but you can think of me like your new internet big sister. And each episode of Fill Up Your Cup, like a deep and meaningful conversation in the form of a voice note from a friend who never wants you to feel alone in what you're going through. Whether your confidence cup is dried up or your self-love cup is looking a little closer to empty than full, I'm going to teach you how to add more feel goodness back into your different cups and as a result, your life. So, pop in your headphones, cozy up with a warm cup of tea or whatever takes your fancy, and let me troubleshoot your problems with you. Because together, and with the right mindset, we can face anything. I do share a lot about self-care on social media. And so a question that comes up a lot is what is self-care or how do we define self-care or what do I do to do self-care? And I completely understand why it is confusing to define self-care. There are so many definitions about what self-care is online. And that's because it is a really broad concept. I think it's become quite a buzzword as well recently, especially in the last two years with, um, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to say the P word, the pandemic. Um, since we've gone through the lockdown, I think self-care is something that has come to a lot of people's top of people's priority lists about realizing that they need to get to know their own needs and understand how to respond to them, which is amazing. But a consequence of that that I've noticed is that a lot of marketing and advertising have jumped on this as well. And so you see a lot of like uh, campaigns around marketing products to be self-care, which yes, sometimes products do help our self-care, let's say, but they're not necessarily self-care. So I think that there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding in terms of what is actually meaningful self-care and how we can get more out of it. I think my favorite one of these definitions here is the one from activeminds.org, which says self-care is important to maintaining a healthy relationship with yourself. It means doing things to take care of our minds, bodies, and souls 
by engaging in activities that promote well-being and reduce stress. Kind of as like an, uh, an opposite to that, um, the World Health Organization's definition of it is so broad. In fact, it starts with the st statement, self-care is a broad comp uh, concept which encompasses hygiene, nutrition, lifestyle, environmental factors, socioeconomic socio factors, and self-medication. So self-care encompasses so many things, but often we're just looking at the surface level. We're just doing something to get us by. Or I think something else that I see coming up a lot when I talk about self-care on social media is it's just become something else on our to-do list that we feel we need to tick off in order to be successful. And because we're putting this kind of productivity mindset around it, we're not actually doing self-care that is meaningful. And therefore, we're not really getting much back from it. And then it just feels like work and an extra thing on our to-do list. And so let's try and break some of those misconceptions and make it more meaningful. So this is my definition of self-care. Self-care is a practice of responding to our needs with meaningful actions. It's about developing a deeper relationship with oneself, often through self-reflection, in order to become more confident, identifying which aspect of our well-being most needs support and how best to respond to those needs. So when I talk about self-care, I like to use the term self-care practice. I know self-care routine is kind of a more common way that people say it, um, but I feel like routine makes it, again, that productivity mindset, whereas practice for me is more open-ended and also kind of this concept of the more I do it, the more I can improve on it, the better I get understanding what I need. So practice is not a singular action, but something that we do regularly over time and that we change and adapt based on what we learn as we go. So our self-care is not going to be the same every day. And the more that we practice responding to our own needs through self-care, the better that we're going to get at doing that. And because of this, we're going to adapt and change what we do and how we do it as we do it. There's no right or wrong way to do a practice because you're practicing, you're trying something, you're seeing if it works, you're learning from that experience and you're adapting for the next time. Self-reflection is a huge part of self-care in my opinion because really meaningful self-care comes from checking in with yourself, your body, your feelings, your mind. Self-reflection can be journaling or simply a little internal chat to check in with yourself. So if you're new to self-care practices and you're still kind of figuring out what you need and how you can respond to your needs, then I do really recommend like a blank notebook and a journal to do your self-reflections and to kind of ask yourself these questions about how do I feel today physically? How do I feel today emotionally? How do I feel today socially? Answering those questions on paper so that you can begin to kind of unpick your written answers. As you get better at doing those self-reflections, it will become a little bit more automatic and you'll be able to do those little internal chats to check in with yourself. And then supportive responses is following up on those self-reflections with self-care actions that directly respond to and support your current needs. So that's kind of like breaking down that definition of self-care. As we've already seen, there are so many different definitions of self-care, but in terms of 
from my experiences and practices, it is this practice. It's about meaningful actions. It's about checking in with yourself and giving yourself what you need as well. You can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're struggling in other areas of your life, if we're struggling with our growth, if we're struggling with our resilience, if we're struggling to be good problem solvers, then it's possible that our cup is completely empty and we need to take a step back and reflect on what can we do to refill that cup? How can we give ourselves more energy? And sometimes that is sleep and sometimes that is exercise. And a lot of the time that is adapting what we're already doing to meet our needs where we are. So what is self-care for you? There are a lot of things that are going to impact this definition for you. I've shared my definition of self-care for you, um, with you, but this definition of self-care for me has changed over the last two years as I really kind of started to focus on in on it. And I know that it will change more as I continue to practice, but as I move through different phases of my life as well. The same applies for you as you begin your self-care practice today or as you begin to work on defining your self-care practice for yourself, what you define it as is going to change based on your age, the season that you're in, the job that you do, your cultural background, your life goals, your family and relationships, where you are in the world, your personal interests, your health and your life phase. So when you think about defining your self-care, it's also about meeting yourself where you are in your life now. And as you change, what your self-care looks like and feels like is also going to change as well. When we look at self-care as a supportive, responsive practice for our own needs, then really self-care is going to look and feel different for each of us. So what is self-care to you in this moment of your life? And this moment could be here today, at the end of this week, month or year, or just in general right now. And to make it a little bit easier as you start to define your self-care practice, what I'd like you to reflect on right now in this moment is three words that you would use to define what self-care is to you. It might be what self-care is to you right now or what you would like self-care to become as you move forward. So the three words that I chose to define my self-care practice is gentle, space, offline. Gentle because it's winter and I feel that at this time of year, I am a little bit more emotional. I do struggle with social anxiety and there are so many social expectations at this time of year that it is something that I find quite difficult. And so when I am choosing my self-care actions, I like to choose actions that are comforting and gentle and respond to the more fragile version of myself that often presents itself at this time of year. Space, because I work from home now, and so a really important part of my self-care has become changing my space, getting out of my space, being outside where there is physically more space, and offline, because a lot of my work is on social media, and so disconnecting is a really important thing for me in order for me to be able to connect with myself and also just really check in and do that self-reflection. So those are my three words, gentle, spacious, and offline self-care. 
what are your three words to define what self-care is to you or what you would like your self-care to be? I hope you're enjoying this episode of Fill Up Your Cup. This episode is not sponsored, so I wanted to jump on here in the middle to tell you about something exciting that is coming up for our season finale. So season one of Fill Up Your Cup podcast is coming to an end, but I am doing one extra bonus episode at the end of this season. And it's super special because I am giving you an opportunity to join me live for the recording of that episode and to ask me your self-care and mindfulness questions there in the episode. So if you want to join me for a live episode of Fill Up Your Cup for the season finale, head on over to my website to laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash live with Laura and you can sign up to register for the live podcast episode. I will send you out a Zoom link. We're going to be live on Zoom on Saturday, the 3rd of December, and I'll be answering all of your questions. I'll be opening up the chat box to your questions, but I'll also be opening up the Zoom call to your questions. So if you want to jump on live with me and chat with me about your self-care practice, some of your self-care barriers, some of the things that you're struggling with in your journaling practice or your mindfulness or your gratitude practice. I am ready to answer your questions and I cannot wait to chat with you all. So if you want to register for the live final episode of season one of fill up your cup podcast head on over to lardaneillustrations.com forward slash live with laura or click the link in the show notes and i will see you there we're going to look at a holistic self-care practice and what that can look like in winter specifically and we're going to have a look at some of those barriers that we might come up against. So here are our three pillars, emotional self-care, social self-care, and physical self-care. In the winter, those barriers can look like the weather, as many of you already identified, the daylight hours, the higher chance of illness, the lack of time because of the daylight hours, uh, work events or seasonal expectations, deadlines, because it's coming up to the end of the year and there are a lot of different um, deadlines around that, whatever career we're working in. Gifting can also get in the way in it and all of those expectations around it. Um, and there are so many other things as well. And barriers, again, are going to be deeply personal to you. But it's about recognizing that there are going to be things that get in the way of our self-care and how we can recognize them and respond to them. So we're going to look at examples for each of the different pillars um, and then we're going to begin to reflect on how we can apply that to ourselves personally. So we've looked at physical well-being um, just to quickly redefine it is anything that relates to our physical health such as our body, our nutrition, our fitness level, our medical history, etc. Some of the barriers that we come up against for our physical well-being and the self-care in winter are things that you all really defined when we looked at those pillars earlier on in the workshop, which is the colder weather, meaning that we're less likely to get outside for fresh air and movement, we're less motivated to do it. But then also that risk of illness increases at this time of year, even just simple things like colds and flu can impact 
our physical health, but also how motivated we are to do other things that support our physical health. And another thing to keep in mind in terms of our physical well-being is the shorter daylight hours can actually impact our natural rhythm and our body clock. And, and that can affect our sleep routines, which in turn make us feel tireder, which in turn make us feel less motivated as well. So how can we use meaningful self-care actions to support our physical well-being? So if we know that these are our barriers, then what can we do to overcome them? So we can talk to our doctors. And I've put in brackets here that yes, visiting a doctor is self-care because it is responding to a part of our, one of our well-being pillars, which is our physical well-being. And if there's something wrong with our physical health, and that's a barrier, and that's impacting us on doing other things to look after ourselves, then what can we do? Well, we can check in with our doctor and get a professional opinion about things that we could do to boost our immune system, or maybe just getting a general physical health check to see that, is there anything there that might not be right? If we're feeling very fatigued and we're trying to get our sleep routines in place, well, maybe we do need to check in our doc with our doctor and see if there's something else going on there or see if there's something else that we can do to support that in order for us to be able to move forward and, and feel like that whole person again. We can research what fruits and vegetables are in season locally to try and add more of these to our meals to get extra nutritional value. We could make a conscious effort to get outside fresh daily for fresh air, even if it's just 10 minutes during a coffee break at work. So something that I loved to do when I worked in schools full time at this time of year was um, making myself a coffee during my lunch break and then just taking it outside and going for a walk off of school grounds. Um, obviously it depends on where you work if you're allowed to do that um, literally just for five or ten minutes but it was five or ten minutes of movement in fresh air and it really helped me reset and those five or ten minutes did help me fill up my cup and it was a way of me adapting my routines to fit this time of year where I wasn't going to really be going outside at other times of the day because of that weather the aspect of my well-being that I'm focusing on here is my physical well-being. And so the actions that I'm trying to think of to do for myself need to respond to that directly. What I shared here are ideas, they're examples, but if we're thinking about self-care being something that's personal to us, then the actions that we do to respond to those needs are also going to be personal to us our situations, our environments, our routines. The first thing that we need to do is identify the area of our well-being that we're working on. So in the previous example, that was our physical well-being. The second thing that we need to do is recognize the barriers that we're coming up against. When you have identified those barriers, taking the example that many people said at the start, which was the exercise because the daylight hours, if that's our barrier, if we know that we need to work on our physical health, if we know that lack of daylight hours are getting in the way of us doing that and are reducing our motivation, how can we respond to that directly with a supportive, meaningful action? It could be that we try out a few different indoor exercises to find something that we like instead. It could be adapting our daily routines that we do that, getting out of our workplace and taking a five or 10 minute walk during the day. Something that I used to do at this time of the year was um, get off the bus one stop earlier from where I worked. So I had like an extra five minute walk. It didn't add anything to my commute. It didn't make me later. But what it did do was give me five minutes of walking 
in the morning and five minutes extra of walking in the evening. And in turn, it gave me a little bit extra movement at this time of year when I was like not motivated to do it when I get home from work. Just coming up with creative ideas and trying out different things. When we look at emotional self-care, some of the barriers that we can come up at against at this time of year are seasonal stress because of the holidays, um, also seasonal affective disorder, which is to do with um, daylight hours affecting our mood um, and also kind of our internal body rhythm. And, it can, and in turn, that can make us feel low and depressed at this time of year without there really being any specific reason behind it. We also feel like we have to let our boundaries go a lot more at this time of year because of social and work expectations. There's events happening. It's all very draining. There's deadlines. If, if we're teachers, there's reports. There's so many different things that can impact our emotional well-being, can become a barrier for our self-care or sometimes an excuse for us to ourselves as to why we can't do our self-care. So some of the things that we can do to respond to that is to reevaluate our time and space boundaries. What are our non-negotiables in terms of, for example, taking something very simple like your break at work. So many people work through their break. I was so guilty of that when I worked full-time as well. I would make myself a coffee and then I would do work during my break because Sometimes that was the only 30 minutes in the day that I would get to catch up on work. But at the same time, that wasn't allowing me any time during the day for downtime in order to give my brain a break, in order for me to change up my environment. And all of that would impact on my ability to focus, my ability to problem solve, um, and also just making me feel extra drained. So a non-negotiable needed to become that my breaks were my breaks and something that I did to ensure that was actually leaving uh, school grounds so that nobody could kind of come and take that break away from me or ask me to do some extra work unless it was like an emergency. It's okay to say no to things that are going to add extra stress to you or that you're not feeling up to, whether that's like events or social expectations at this time of year. It's about finding balance. It's about recognizing the things that maybe we want to do or we need to do, but also saying no to the things that we feel like we have to do, but aren't going to make us feel good and finding a balance with that. And then social self-care in winter. Potential barriers to our social self-care in winter can again be the colder, shorter days, meaning that people are less likely to be outside and about and about and connect to each other. And it can limitate like how we uh, naturally gather because in summer that happens a lot more naturally and as a contrast to that at this time of year we can often find ourselves in draining social situations due to tradition and holiday expectation and maybe spending time with people who are related to us but we might not necessarily choose to spend time with and that can be draining in a different way um, also again I spoke about like work deadlines as you come to the end of the year and kind of all of the meetings and all of that that would be involved in that again that links into your social connections and your time with people and social self-care can also be about recognizing when you need space from people or when you need to connect with the people that help you feel energized as opposed to the people that make you feel drained or take something away from you. So responding to those barriers again, 
staying connected, as I said, with the people who make you feel energized, make you feel good with your good about yourself, even if that's as simple as a message or a call once a week, just to check in with those people that every time that you talk to them, you know that that conversation makes you both feel energized and it's not kind of like a rant or a complaining draining conversation it's it's a person who you really connect with on a on a good way that's good for both of you it can be planning fun indoor events such as like a potluck dinner or a board game night things that bring people together in a less stressful way that doesn't involve so much expense or like holiday pressure but just something for fun and bringing back that joy. If you work from home or indoors, try changing up your routine once a week so that you go to places where you're going to be surrounded by people. So like going to a coffee shop and doing a bit of people watching or taking a walk where you can feel close to people. Um, And I think that this is something that a lot of us maybe can relate to after last year where we were all stuck indoors with the same people for a really long time. Just getting outside and and changing up your routine and putting yourself in an environment where you're surrounded by different people can help you feel socially recharged in a different way. And also maybe you can make new connections. So again, thinking about what are the barriers to your social self-care, but also what social self-care is for you. Social anxiety is something that I struggle with. So for me, sometimes is about creating that space for me and being with the people that make me feel energized as opposed to those social situations where I feel like I'm draining myself. But for someone else, for example, my fiance is someone who's really extroverted. For him, social self-care is being around like high energy people where he feels energized by that social situation. So his social self-care looks very different to mine. Um, And so how we overcome our different barriers is also going to look different. So Here is our self-care cycle, starting with identifying which area of your well-being needs your support, emotional, physical, or social. Recognizing what the barriers would be, the current barriers, so that might be the weather, the lack of boundaries, overcommitting yourself to expectations, time management, work, and then responding directly to the combination of what I need and what's my barrier with a responsive action. So I know that I need to exercise, but it's really dark outside and I don't feel motivated. So my response is, what can I do inside in a gentle, comforting way that's not going to require so much energy and motivation out of me, but still is going to be a form of physical exercise? I hope that this self-care cycle is going to help you reflect a little bit better yourself when you're planning your self-care or when you're not sure what your self-care needs to be that you can come back to this cycle and look at the different areas of your well-being and look at what your different barriers might be and then choose really meaningful actions that responds to both that need and that barrier so that the self-care action doesn't feel like it's something that you're ticking off a to-do list but rather um something that's really filling up your cup and and comforting and supporting yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you found something in it that is useful and hopefully going to help you take practical, mindful action in your own self-care practice. If you'd like to listen to more of this workshop, 
and access the full workshop along with the downloadable workbook that comes with it. I have added it to my website so you can access the full workshop replay and listen to the whole experience about redefining your self-care practice, really diving into that self-care cycle. And I also share lots of other seasonal examples of what self-care can look like at this time of year. So if you want to access the workshop, the winter well-being workshop, you can head on over to laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash winter workshop, and you'll be able to download and purchase the workshop replay. All that's left for me to say is that I will hopefully see you all at the live season finale and I hope that you remember to do something to be kind to yourself and your mind this week. If you made it to the end of this episode, I want you to take a moment right now and remember that you are worthy of feel-good feelings. If you want to submit a question for a future episode or add to the suggestion box, you can do so by heading to laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash podcast or simply by clicking the link in the show notes. You can also leave me your questions, episode suggestions, or just let me know what you think of this episode by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you liked this episode, don't forget to rate or review it on whichever app is your favorite place to listen to podcasts. You can't pour from an empty cup. So give yourself a big hug from me right now and promise me that you'll do one thing today that brings you joy.